0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Saturday, January the 28th, 2023. It is currently 4.06 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, it was a good idea. While it lasted, right? I think it was a great idea while it lasted. Let's do a six to seven week study on discernment. I mean, that sounds fun. That sounds exciting. We'll do a word study method. And while the word study method is going on and people are working on that, I'll be using the curriculum. We'll look at the different passages of scripture. We'll see how that relates to discernment. It should be fun. It should be interesting. And well, what happened? I I don't really know. I feel like, I feel like, um, I don't even feel like we necessarily left the road. I I don't feel like we like, you know, crashed the car, you know, started chasing something off the main road and and went over a cliff. I think we just I just feel like we just kind of pulled over to the side of the road and just stopped and kind of got out of the car and go, hey, what are you doing? I don't know. What are you doing? I don't know. Uh, where are we at? I don't really know where we're at. Oh yeah. Oh wait, where are we going? Wait, what are we doing? Why did we get out of the car? I don't know why we got out of the car. Why, what are you doing? I don't get back in the car. You get back in the car. I don't know. Why are you, why did we stop? You stopped. I didn't stop. You stopped. That's kind of what I feel like. I don't know if that's a good illustration, but I feel like we kind of just got, we just kind of pulled over and stopped. And, and I don't believe I think the curriculum is somewhat to blame for this because the curriculum kind of takes, I mean, you're like discernment and it's kind of gone this very weird way. And so I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I've messed up in some way, shape or form, but in other ways it has led us to what will hopefully be some, you know, interesting discussions. We've had a a two part discussion on baptism And I know what you're thinking, how did a study on discernment get to baptism? I'll explain that in a minute, which then led to a new series that we're doing the early baptism in the early church, which we'll be working on tomorrow at Victory Baptist Church. So really somehow discernment got us to baptism, which I think in some ways, I know it feels like we've pulled over to the side of the road, but in many ways, I think we've kind of talked about this concept of discernment. Maybe we, and and you're supposed to be working on defining and trying to truly understand it. But I think in a roundabout way, we're getting an opportunity to kind of use discernment to understand this thing about baptism that baptism is kind of becoming an exercise. Like, here is what discernment is theoretically. Now, here's where you can put it into practice practically, right? We understand the theoretical concept of discernment, that ability to see what maybe isn't obvious, the ability to judge, the ability to understand, the ability to perceive, right? But now, what's a great way to perceive? What's a great way to be able to discern what may not be visible? Well, studying something as controversial as baptism, which requires great discernment and discipline and dedication and work. So maybe, even though it feels like we pulled over to the side of the road, maybe we've kind of introduced the concept of discernment. We've kind of done, I think, some very interesting conversations about it. It didn't spark as much conversation as I would have liked. I guess that's always my, my, my thing, is when we start the Bible study exercises, it's maybe my perception is based on Conversation and discussion, right? Sometimes the Bible study exercise, whatever we're working on, it's just like one email after another email after another email, or maybe in the Discord channel, it's like boom, 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 boom. And it's like, wow. Okay, we're on to something. And then there's other times you're kind of like, uh, well, what 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 went wrong? But I think this one has had so many different facets. So let's try to remind ourselves of what we have done right? I'm going to open up the curriculum. We started on, well, with Unit 2, Session 1. It was dated January the 22nd, um, but obviously we started way earlier than that. Um, But uh, does it agree with the Bible? Does it agree with the Bible? And that led us to look at Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And I And my own, like, and I I still think that this is super interesting. I still think it's worthy of great discussion. I found, and and I still maintain, that when we look up discernment, we're like, where's the first place discernment is mentioned in the Bible? Where's the first example of discernment being utilized? We found ourselves in Genesis chapter 3, and the first example of discernment was that of the serpent obviously being utilized by Satan. Satan was using great discernment. He was able to perceive maybe what wasn't so obvious. He was able to see. He was able to make a judgment and how to get Eve to stop focusing on all that she could have to focus on what she couldn't have right? To to get her to focus on this. And it was, it was very subtle the way he did. So are you saying you can't have all of these trees? Oh no, we can have these trees, but we can't have that one. Okay. That, and so I just think it was, it was brilliant. It was, it was genius. It was discernment at work, but all done for a wrong reason, but it was still there. And then her discernment she doesn't even realize what's happening. And the next thing she, you know, her discernment was not being... Now listen, because this was a very... It was almost like a, a split second. Her discernment was either going to be based on what God actually said or something else was going to be the thing influencing and driving her discernment. She went from God's word and the next thing you know, if you remember Genesis chapter 3... Remember, we talked in great detail about this. I think it's fascinating. All of a sudden, the woman saw that the tree was good for food. All of a sudden, her discernment is being driven by, well, that looks good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes. That is pleasant, and it was to be desired. What was good for food, what was pleasant to the eyes, and what was desired to be wise, those became the three Motivating factors. That was the thing driving her discernment. Her discernment was no longer based on God's word. It was based on, well, that's, that, that, that looks good for food. That's pleasant to the eyes. That, that's to be desired to make one wise. And we compared that uh, over in 1 John about the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that, that we, that as a believer, our discernment should be based on God's word alone. But it's very easy for these other factors to really be driving our discernment. So we spent uh, uh, a number, I did a number of messages on that. I even tried to, I had to correct because there was a little mix up on the Sunday where I preached Genesis chapter three at church because I was going to look up the the English definition for the word subtle, but... There was variations in spelling. I didn't real I didn't catch it. I did, wasn't discerning enough to realize, "Wait a minute." When I looked this up last night at home preparing for the sermon, this is the definition it gives me. I look it up at church and I'm like, "What?" Da-? Because Google did that whole thing, "Did you mean?" and I didn't catch it. I just like, "Yes." And then there's the definition. I'm like, "Wait a minute. That's missing that's missing connecting the word subtle to the word discernment. And I'm like, I need that connection. So then I had to come home, do an apology, do a correction. Oh, so but, but once again, it demonstrated in a roundabout way, it became a object lesson. I wasn't discerning enough to notice the subtle difference, that which wasn't obvious, that there was a slight variation in spelling And that slight variation in spelling gave a slight variation in definition. And one definition gave me to discernment so I could draw the correlation between Satan being the more, you know, the serpent being more subtle because Satan utilizing it. And that subtle was very much focused to uh, connected to discernment. So I I thought it was, I thought there was a lot there that we talked about. Your, Your discernment, what's driving it? Is it God's word or is it? the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that's always trying to replace our discernment or influencing our discernment. So I still think there's much to be talked about, but let's just establish this for review's sake. For the Christian, your discernment must be driven by, must be controlled by, and must be based off God's word alone. Period. End of discussion. The end. Now, this is very important. Properly discerning something is no guarantee that you're going to do the right thing because we know as Christians, we're not going to do the right thing. We're going to sin over and over and over and over and over. The difference is as a Christian, we may do the wrong thing, but we can just acknowledge, hey, that's not the right. Now you may say, well, no, discernment should keep you from doing the wrong thing. I wish it was that simple. I discern that sin is bad so I should just stop sinning. But it doesn't work that way. We can at least admit, hey, according to God's word, I know this is wrong. I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't think this way, but it's just the reality. I, I, And, and people are like, well, that's not, that's not good enough. Well, I know Christians would like it to be a world where we no longer sin, but we're going to continue to sin in thought, word, and deed, uh, internally, externally, to some level. That's why we have to be saved by an imputed righteousness. But at least as a Christian, I'm not going to look at that and go, hey, that's right. I'm not going to justify it. I'm going to be like, well, probably shouldn't, but that's what I'm going to do. And you can say, well, that's horrible. I'm sorry. It, we, we can get into a whole discussion about that. So we went from Genesis chapter 3. Um, does it agree with uh, the Bible? And then we went to unit 2, session 2. Does it bring conviction? And this is where things got weird. Weird, And this is where we've kind of, again, pulled over to the side of the road. Let me explain. Acts chapter 2. Let's start, start reading. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Acts 2, verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Now, they wanted to focus on the fact that these men were pricked in their heart. They were convicted. And so I've been asked, I asked the question throughout this week. I wanted everyone to work on it, to write about it, to email me about it, to talk about it in the Discord channel, anywhere. What is the correlation between discernment and conviction? Well, if we discern something, right? And where does our discernment come from? God's word. We should, we should feel conviction. The conviction should flow from a proper discernment. In other words, the quality of your conviction will be determined by the quality of your discernment. As I discern what God's word accurately says, then my conviction will flow from that. And we and that was really where I was wanting people to go. And because this is important, there are some Christians out there who feel some conviction, and I'm like, what? Why are you being why are you convicted like that? A good example of this, and I was hoping someone would mention this this week. Remember those in the Church of Corinth who were greatly convicted about eating meat offered unto idols? They were so convicted by it, right? And Paul tried to explain to them, no, 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 offering a meat unto idol. The idol is nothing; it's not doing anything to the meat. The meat, it's 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 perfectly okay. But remember because some people had this conviction, then we would not do anything to cause them to stumble. So there's a there's a sense of respecting people's conviction, but isn't it sad if someone's walking around convicted because they don't discern? In other words, they feel convicted. They feel guilt. They feel shame. They feel bad. And you're like, well, I don't know if scripture really condemns that specifically. I don't know if there's a clear... Correlation in scripture that says that is wrong. We want our conviction to be. So in other words, discernment must be driven by scripture alone and conviction must flow from scripture alone. We discern. Scripture is what leads to discernment and conviction comes from that. Any conviction that comes from anything else, the way you were raised, the church you go to, uh, the the. Christians you hang out with, those are not, that's not what's supposed to lead to conviction. That's how some people get caught up in some massive legalism where they feel guilt. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Based off what? Because someone in a church told you that? All right. So there, there's a lot there. And then this is what happened. Let, let me continue reading in Acts chapter two. All right. We read verse 36 and 37. Verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and all to that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Uh, verse 41, and they that gladly received his word were baptized. Now, baptism is mentioned here, what, two times by name? I believe two times. Yes, two times. And in this passage has been used to support certain views of baptism. Number one, it's been used to view baptismal regeneration. Baptism washes away your sin. Baptism is a part of your salvation. Where do they get that? Well, let me read it to you. Acts 2.38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Now, some people read that. Because of the remission of sins, because your sins have been forgiven, you are baptized. Others are like, no, 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 no. You get, you get baptized in order to get the remission of sins, right? It, so people read it two different ways, but baptismal regeneration, baptism being a part of salvation, it flows a lot of people believe it flows from that verse. The next part, verse 39, for the promises unto you and to your children, because it mentions unto you and your children, some people were like, well, see, right there, right there. That's for infants. So So, some people believe this supports baptismal regeneration and infant baptism. Others of us, I reject baptismal regeneration and infant baptism, other, others of us focus on the fact that, and they that gladly received his word were baptized. So clearly no babies were being baptized. The only people being baptized were those who gladly received the word. So, But others would say, no, 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 you are miss, what about the children? And I would say, well, it has to be children who receive the word. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. It has to be children because that's the only way to get their sins washed away because they're babies. And it goes on and 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 on. And it's just, it never ends. So what we decided to do was using discernment, I discern, those are controversial passages that we cannot address in our study on discernment, but they should not be ignored. So we are moving them over to a study of baptism in the early church, utilizing three historical documents, the Didache, right? Everybody remember that, the Didache, Tertullian on baptism, and Hippolytus, the uh, apostolic tradition, right? Those are the three Historical documents that we're utilizing, and we're gonna, we're kind of separating that into a separate study where we're gonna go through both, all, or not both, all three historical documents to say what basically was the early church teaching about baptism from around 70 AD to about 225 AD. One, we're gonna realize there wasn't clear agreement, there was disunity, and in some cases, there were clearly things stated that would completely reject infant baptism, or clearly they didn't even know it existed. And so uh, we're we're going, and that, and now once you get after 300, I agree, after you get around 300, especially the time of Augustine, infant baptism for the washing away of sins becomes the dominant practice. But why wasn't it the dominant practice earlier than that? Lots of discussions. So we are not, we haven't ignored that. That's not being ignored. So, so far... Your job is to be doing a word study on discernment. You're to understand Satan really being the first example of discernment, trying to figure out exactly what discernment is, and then understand the things that can impact our discernment. Either we're using God's word or the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life becomes the thing driving our discernment. And then you must remember the connection between discernment and conviction. Now, that gets us set up for tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new week of Bible study, and it will bring us to Unit 2, Session 3. Unit 2, Session 3, which does it call you to trust God? Does it call you to trust God? And what we'll be looking at for all of this coming week, starting Sunday, so from Sunday basically to next Saturday, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 6. All right, listen carefully. Hebrews 11, 1 through 6. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him, for before his translation, he had the testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Then go to verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say say such things declare plainly they seek a country and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out they might have opportunity to have returned but now they desire a better country that is an heavenly wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city Hebrews 11:1 through 6 and verses 13 through 16 Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, verses 13 through 16. Now, I think you should catch on immediately what we're going to be focusing on. I'm not even looking at the curriculum at this point. I'm just looking at that passage. For the next seven days, I want you to figure out the correlation, the connection. You're already supposed to see what discernment is, then it's correlation or connection with conviction. Now I want you to understand discernment and its correlation or connection with faith. What is the connection between discernment and faith? Oh, I think this is very important. All right? I and I tried to be very careful not to emphasize to sometimes when you're reading a verse and there's something that, you know, you want to emphasize, you want you want to read it that way. I tried to be careful, I tried to be careful. That's why I kind of just read it really quick and not I didn't try to enunciate too much or or, or emphasize too much. Because I don't want to give it away. I want you to just read Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, 13 through 16. Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, 13 through 16. Over and over and over and over and over. All week, live it, breathe it, feed upon it, swim in it, wash yourself with it, live in it. And I want you to just keep asking yourself, what's the correlation between discernment and faith? Discernment and conviction. Now, discernment and faith. That's all I want you to do this week. For now, for now, I should say, that's all I want you to do right now, okay? We never know when new assignments could be coming, right? You always have to listen to every broadcast because at any time you could be like, wait, there was more homework? You didn't listen, right? You got to show up to class to get the homework, okay? I don't send out an email going, wait, there's a new assignment. You have to listen, all right? So that's what we're going to be working on. What is the correlation, the connection between discernment and faith? I think this is very, I think a very important concept here, or at least I I think there is. That's it. That's all, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to give a quick review, try to get us caught up. So baptism, we're not going to skip it. It's mentioned there in Acts two. We're not. I want to go back and look at the psalm that's being referred to there. In fact, I wanted to kind of do that, but we. But that's not. That's that will take us even further away. We're we're just going to the the passage that mentioned that passage mentions baptisms two times, and then you really have if you think about it, Acts two. Um, that that section in acts 2 really three views of baptism are all ju- everyone three different view or three views of baptism are justified with the same passage of scripture baptismal regeneration infant baptism and believers only baptism everyone goes to the same passage to support completely contradicting views that is maddening so obviously, the baptism will require the use of discernment. See, so we're going to keep that as like a, an exercise to work on. So we'll separate that out. Your job, All I want, you to, I want you to listen to the things on baptism and I want you to participate. I do. But just start thinking discernment and faith, discernment and faith, discernment and faith, discernment and faith, discernment and faith. What's the correlation? What's the connection? And if you didn't work on the correlation and connection between discernment and conviction, I just gave a little bit of it away for you. Right? So just start living in Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, 13 through 16. Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, 13 through 16. Read it, read it, read it. it. And as always, if you have questions, you submit the question that almost always turns into a podcast episode. I don't give your name. I don't give the state you live in. I don't give anything like that. So you have nothing to be ashamed or embarrassed about. But 99% of the time when one person asks a question and I answer it, I'll end up getting email. I'm so glad they asked that because I had the same question. I'm like, well, why didn't you email me? All right. So some people are afraid to do that. I don't know why. I'm not going to embarrass you. But because it helps me. It's like, oh, if one person needs this, I guarantee you there's a 100 others who do as well. I haven't really pointed you to read the curriculum. Um, I haven't. Uh, maybe this, this time we will. We got the, the baptism. I don't know how we're going to work all of this. We're going to figure it all out, all right? I need, I need basically 10 hours of broadcasting a day and a church service three times. I need a church service three times a day, seven days a week. And I still wouldn't have enough time to talk about all the things we should talk about. But there you go. I hope you're ready. I hope you're excited. Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, 13 through 16. So, what am I saying? Get back in the car. Stop stopping the car. Let's keep driving. Don't forget the baptism. We'll focus on it. But let's figure this out correlation, connection between discernment and faith. You can email me newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's news, I-F at yahoo.com. If you'd like access to the curriculum, email me. Just say curriculum. I'll send you a link. Once you sign up at the link, it's free. Send, it, uh, send me an email back saying signed up. I'll go and make sure you're assigned all the curriculum. Um, and, uh, and, of course, if you want to just be a part of the discussion of things, the Discord channel, just email me and say Discord, and then I will send you a link. It's only good for a couple of hours, and then it allows you to join. There you go. I think that's everything for today. I hope so. I hope so. Tomorrow morning, we go back for, this is the schedule for Victory Baptist Church, Sunday School, Law and Gospel, Sunday morning worship, the Dedicate, and and uh, well, kind of an introduction to baptism in the early church. We're going to start with the Canaanite heresy and the woman who tried to destroy baptism. I wish I knew her name, but I can't find her name. Okay, but this woman uh, who was a Canaanite, part of the Can- Canaanite her- heresy, um, is why Tertullian wrote. But we're going to we're going to kind of introduce it. Then we'll go through a little quickly through the di- Didache. Then we'll start with uh, Tertullian on baptism, and then Sunday night probably law and gospel again. Um, well, no, we may. Actually, we'll probably uh, continue on with baptism because the law and gospel book also detoured into baptism. Everything, went every th- time I turned around, baptism, baptism, baptism. That's I've been hit with baptism everywhere I look for the last couple of, uh, it feels like the last two weeks, maybe three weeks. So uh, we're not going to ignore that. right? When everything keeps saying baptism, then I'm just going to go with it. So, um, And then, of course, tomorrow afternoon between church, I pro- hopefully I'll get one uh, live broadcast done. Then, obviously, Sunday night, live broadcast. Sometimes after church I'll do one. If not, then we'll be back hopefully to a regular schedule on Monday. Um, I do apologize for, um, like, today. I didn't get as much done today as I would have liked. But um, last, what, overnight from, I don't know, what was it, around 10 or 11 p.m. till well, really just about an hour ago, major just head and neurological issues. So, but uh, I've worked through all of those that's because of my seizure disorder, but I think I feel better. So hopefully this one went better that today's focus I thought was super important, but, uh, there, what word, what was, what word was it that was messing up doppelganger? I think that's the word, Uh, whatever the word was, I don't have it written down. Um, um, there was some word I was messing up, but, um, Everyone told me to keep it, so I don't know. I went back and listened to some of it and was like, ah, I should delete this, but that's okay. But hopefully this worked out. All right. I think so. I think we're good. All right. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at com. A lot of live broadcasting going on tomorrow. Um, maybe, I doubt there'll be a late night thing tonight. I doubt there'll be a late night thing tonight. But if I I can, and I feel like it, I'll do something late tonight. Just remember the way to keep up with everything, the Church One app. Church, just go to your app store, Apple, or Google. Church, O-N-E, Church, O-N-E. Download the app, type in Theology Central, choose us as your selected broadcaster. It becomes our app. It's a generic app. But once you type in our name, it pulls in from our RSS feed and all as all of our content is there. And then whenever we go live, you'll get a notification. And whenever I upload a new sermon, you'll get a notification. So there you go. All right. What are you doing? Go, go. You're supposed to be reading Hebrews 11, 1 through 6, 13 through 16. Why are you sitting here listening to me? Go read Hebrews 11. All right. Everyone have a great Saturday. God bless.